Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Marco Muzzo is to be sentenced on the 29th of March on four counts of impaired driving causing death and two counts of impaired driving causing bodily harm. Mr. Muzzo pled guilty to all counts of impaired driving and expresses deep remorse. The Crown is asking for 10 to 12 years in prison and a driving ban of 8 to 12 years after that. The parents of the three children and their grandfather, killed by Marco Muzzo, walked out of the court when he expressed his regrets. Well, I'm going to talk to family members of victims of drunk drivers, and we're going to hear about what they go through and how easily the justice system treats the killers of their family members. And this isn't anything new. This has been going on for a long, long time. If you drive impaired and you kill somebody, you don't get much in the way of a prison sentence. And whatever prison sentence you get, which is usually three to four years, you serve maybe a third or a half of it, most two-thirds, and you're out. Marquita Collius of Surrey, British Columbia, is with me. Marquita's 22-year-old daughter, Cassandra, was killed by Natasha Warren in British Columbia. Warren's van accelerated through an intersection on a red light, going more than 103 kilometers an hour. When it hit the driver's side of Cassandra Collius' vehicle, as she was made, waiting to make a left turn. Ms. Warren fled the scene after the crash, but she was found shortly thereafter. Marquita, hello. Good to have you back on the program. Good morning, Roy. Thank you for having me. Sherry Arsenal joins us as well from Leduc, Alberta. She lost her 18-year-old son, Bradley, when he was killed, along with two other friends, on November 26, 2011. They were hit from behind at 199 kilometers an hour by Jonathan Pratt, who literally drove right through the vehicle being driven by the three friends. Sherry, thank you for taking time. I, I, I find it so difficult to even repeat what happened. Yeah, well, you know, it is. It, um, it, uh, it was extremely horrific, and, uh, you know, they all are. They're all so darn horrific that it's hard, it's hard to even imagine everybody sends me emails, and I've seen a lot of emails, I've seen tweets, but I've primarily sent emails over the last couple of days when we um, mentioned that we'd be speaking with you. And everyone asks the same question. How do you live with this? How do you, how do you, how do you cope with it? What do you do to, Marquita, what do you do to cope? Well, you know, Ron, you, you don't have a choice. I mean, there are two choices. There are many families who have said they have thought about taking their own lives it's it's not that they want to end their life it's just that they want to take away the pain that they live with every day but you know we many of us do have other children and family and and you know we could not they're already suffering in pain of losing you know like our daughter Cassandra we couldn't put them through that again if we if we did something so you know we had a choice we either uh, you fall apart or you decide to uh, pick up and uh, fight for change for somebody else. You know, we've, as family members, we've already lost our children, um, and now we're fighting to save everybody else's. Sherry, you you agree with Marquita, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, and, you know, absolute agreement. It, um, you know, it it's hard to describe because, you know, and, and, and it would be victims of all crimes. I, I know how, I know now how they feel it's it's on your mind pretty much every waking moment and when you're sleeping well you don't sleep that good <laughs> you know it's something you just you, you cuz you can't make sense out of the senselessness you know you just can't make sense of it 
And you know, it's not a mystery. I mean, the message of don't drink and drive has been out there for a long time. It's yeah, been reinforced over and over. There's even been some legislation enacted to try to persuade people not to drink and drive. And we'll talk about the legislation uh, as we go along here. But it's not a new message. And it's bewildering that there are people who will still get behind the, you know, the, uh, the steering wheel insert the key in the ignition, knowing fully well they've been drinking, and just put it in gear and go. All right, I think the problem is that we've had education and awareness for the last 35, 40 years. Everybody knows that you should not drink and drive, but our penalties are still not tough enough to make it that people are willing to stop taking a chance of that. And, you know, we, we, I know many provinces now have implemented roadside prohibitions and different things to make the laws tougher and that they can impound a vehicle. And that has, I know in B.C. here alone, um, our fatalities are down by 52% since that came into effect uh, in 2010. But in saying that, the number of impaired drivers still continue to rise. I know in the last five years in B.C. alone, um, they've removed over 146,657 people off the roads who were deemed to be driving impaired. Say that again. In B.C., the stats show that the number of people that have received an immediate roadside prohibition, an administrative driving prohibition, and a 24-hour prohibition uh, since September of 2010 up until December of 2015, in B.C., the police have removed 146,657 people who were caught driving while impaired. Oh, my God. I had no idea. Yeah, the, the stats are unbelievable. And, uh, well, and the, for the causing deaths, there's literally averages of at least four new mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers that are in our shoes every single day in Canada. Yeah. And very close to 200 seriously hurt every single day in Canada. Due to due to that you know that senseless choice of getting behind a wheel, and and uh, you know that's the thing that our justice system perceives it as an unfortunate accident, yeah. and they're just yeah. the the case laws are, are like two three years. They're starting to creep up to three years now. They literally have thousands of case laws to refer to, and the judges rule on case law and. And it can never, you know, it never creeps up because there's just too, there's so much case law out yeah. there. Well, the precedent becomes, the, the sentences that are handed down are, are so low. We've seen, you know, anywhere, then these are all when a fatality has been involved. We've seen uh, cases of one day in jail, uh, 90 days to be served on weekends, $1,500 fines, seven weekends in jail. And that's for taking the life of someone. Yeah. I remember that uh, one day, that was in British Columbia, wasn't it? Yes. One day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's a there's a sense that that along with this with this the low sentences, and the um and the precedent setting sentences. So as you said, what is handed down as a sentence today, in British Columbia becomes the precedent for, say Saskatchewan or Correct. Ontario tomorrow. Yes. But there's this underlying philosophy I feel that still that's still around, and that is, there but for the grace of God go I. And people who say that have not committed to not driving drunk, have not committed to not killing somebody behind the wheel. And there's a sense of almost, 
that it's not so serious. It really can't be that serious because the penalties aren't that serious. Yeah, yeah. I and they refer to them as well as an accident. These are not accidents. These are collisions. You know, these are, are um, 2,000 pounds of steel uh, striking someone at, you know, anywhere from probably 75 kilometers an hour to 199 kilometers an hour. And they do a heck of a lot more damage than a gun or a knife ever would. And those those crimes are, are considered homicides. Well, these are vehicular homicides. Yeah, can you uh, hold on? I, I, I want to ask you when we come back. Mm-hmm. To, I'm hesitant to do this, but we're talking about, Canada's talking about impaired driving now because of Mr. Mutsa's case. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the children and the grandfather whose lives he took. Uh, I'd like to ask you about about your cases, if, if we can, when we come back. Okay. All right. Uh, Families for Justice. We'll tell you more about Families for Justice. And we have Marquita Collius with us and Sherry Arsenault. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We were going to have three guests. And I know that... Was it too difficult for the third guest to come on, Marquita? You know, I really don't know. I, I got a... a call from Sherry saying that uh, Grace Pesa was going to come on air and I'm uh, she's unable to do so and you know it's quite possible yeah. it's it's something we live with every single yeah. day from the moment we get up in the morning until the time we try to fall asleep it is on our mind 24/7 yeah because I was thinking and, I, yeah. I'm sorry I was thinking that it takes such incredible courage and bravery and commitment to everybody in this country to the memory of your own children and your own loved ones to do what you're doing. And and I would completely understand if someone said, I just can't do it today yeah. because this is a bad day. Yeah. I can't yeah. do yeah. it today. Some days, some days are worse than others. We all, we all, we all know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sherry, can you, uh, can you tell us what happened? Well, you know, uh, you know, it was just, it was just over four years ago now and my son and his two friends, they were, they were in my son's little car. He had a little Grand Am. And they were probably less than two minutes from, from where they were going to. They were going to uh, Cole, Cole's house. When, uh, you know, from behind in a 5,000-pound brand-new truck, Mr. Pratt literally drove right through that little car. And... Um, he was over three times the legal limit, and and in, in my case, they were able to actually apply manslaughter to to this case because of the aggravating factors, the speed, the fact that he didn't attempt to break, his uh, alcohol being so high. But uh, you know, they found uh, Mr. Pratt's truck upside down in a ditch, about four football fields ahead, and as they were working on him, they thought it was a single vehicle. Collision. It was later that they found out what he, what the the carnage he left in his, mm. his drunken wake, and and you know, Roy, it, it's hard. I, I, of course, I was never allowed to see Bradley. There was nothing left of my son. They they had to identify him by his dental records, and you know that's hard. That's hard not to have that goodbye, mm. even. It, it, it's so horrific what these drunk drivers can do with their cars and trucks, and and nobody ever thinks it's going to happen to them. They, the drunk doesn't think it, and the, the innocent people don't. But the drunks have the education out there. They know just simply 
if you drink, don't drive, and if you drive, don't drink. It's, it's that simple. It's, it's just so simple, and, and it's so preventable, and, and that's the thing for me, Marquita. It, 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 it's preventable, 100% preventable. Yeah. I mean, I'm so, I'm, I'm so reluctant to ask you to share what happened, but one of the things that you're doing is you're reminding people. I was going to say telling them, but we already know. You're reminding people of the importance of the message, don't drink and drive. I took some friends out to dinner just before Christmas, and uh, I didn't have anything to drink. I had a um, tonic water mm-hmm. and lime. And everybody was trying to persuade me to have, yeah, you can have one glass of wine, Roy. You can do it. You know, just have one glass of wine over a couple of hours. You'll be fine. I won't do it. Yeah, yeah. It's not because it's not because I'm trying to be better than anybody else. Yeah, it's just it's you know it's just not worth yeah. the risk the risk of what could happen yeah. and and um, yeah you know and we also that, appreciate Roy you being responsible and that's what it comes down to is that every single Canadian needs to start to become more responsible not only for themselves but for others yeah. because Tell us. you know out on the roadways things can happen in seconds. Marquita, yeah. tell us tell us what uh, if as much as you yeah. can. Yeah, um, on May third, uh, two thousand eleven, my daughter Cassandra was out. She'd gone out to she was a coach on a young girls softball team, and she played a game of softball herself that night. And she was on her way home, and she was just three blocks from home. And uh, as the she stopped at a red light, and her coach was beside her in his car, and he waved goodbye, and he went through the green light, and she pulled out to wait till a car passed so she could make a left-hand turn. And as she was waiting, uh, Natasha Warren came speeding down the curb lane, and uh, the light had already been red for 12 seconds, and she accelerated the last 500 feet into the intersection and T-boned Cassandra at 103 kilometers an hour and sent her car flying over... uh, um, you know, about 1,500 feet Gee. up and over a meridian uh, across four lanes of traffic. And she got out of her car, apparently from witnesses, and went up to look at Cassandra dying and then took off and ran away and uh, hid in some bushes. And a gentleman who was out walking his dog saw her run, and he took off after her, found her hiding in the bushes, and held her until police came. And uh, she was given a... She did plead guilty uh, about a year later, and was uh, given a sentence of 37 months. Uh, seven months into her sentence, she came up for a parole hearing. Um, thankfully, the parole board denied her parole, and uh, she spent another year in jail. But she's been out of jail now for a year. Okay, let me ask you to both please hold on. And we're going to come back with um, my guest, Sherry Arsenault and uh, Marquita Collius, and talk more about the responsibility of uh, that we all have to not drink and drive. If Drunk driving has impacted on your life, and you want to share it. Share the message. 888-225-8255. 888-225-8255 is the number to call now, and we'll also tell you about Families for Justice and how you can get involved with them. Please stay with us. We're talking about impaired driving, and we're doing it for a reason, because the country is aware of the story of Mark Ramuzzo. He's 29 years of age. In Ontario, pled guilty to four counts of impaired driving causing death, two of impaired driving causing bodily harm. Killed nine-year-old Daniel Neville Lake, five-year-old Harrison, his brother, and two-year-old sister Millie, and 65-year-old grandfather Gary Neville. Grandmother and great-grandmother were also seriously injured. Crown attorney Paul Tate has asked for 10 to 12 years 
in prison plus an 8 to 12 year driving ban. Mr. Mucho has told the court he has great remorse and unimaginable regret. Sherry Arsenault from uh, Ladakh, Alberta, and Marquita Collius from Sorry, British Columbia are with me. Families for Justice. They have suffered um, because of impaired drivers, because of drunk drivers, as you've heard, their entire families have suffered. If you listen to what they had to say, what, what they shared with us, you know how you felt. When it comes to Marquita, when it comes to case going to court, what sense do you have as the family of the person who lost his or her life because of the drunk driver? I know you talked to the Crown attorneys, in your case, about what kind of penalties should be asking for Ms. Warren. Mm -hmm. What did they say to you? Well, when I asked, I said, could we, you, you know, they were, when I first asked what kind of sentence are you looking at, they said three to four years, and I said, this was, a, you know, a vehicular homicide. Uh, why would you not ask for, you know, let's set a precedent and ask for, you know, 10 years? And I was told by my Crown uh, lawyer that basically if he went into a judge and said, I'd like to look at uh, a sentence of 10 years, he would be laughed at and said, that's not going to happen. And, you know, we, we continue to see such low sentences. And, Roy, we've lost two additional families since the Nivelle Lake. The Vandevoort family out of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, was killed on January 3rd. It was a mother, father, a five-year-old daughter, two-year-old son. And as well, this past week in Texas, a Canadian family was visiting yeah. relatives down there. Mother, father, 16-month-old baby killed. And there is a four- and a six-year-old daughter left orphaned. I mean, entire families are being wiped out by impaired drivers. And sentences that are handed down are ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Sherry, did you have an expectation when your case went to court as to well, what may happen and then were surprised when it, when it didn't? Well, I mean, I think all of us never had stepped a foot in a courtroom before. And, you know, it was shocking to find out just exactly what goes on in in the courtrooms I think myself you know my case was uh, was rare because they were able to apply that manslaughter and also Mr. Pratt pled not guilty so usually a plea deal is made and that's where they drop the sentences they put a lot of weight the justice system puts a lot of weight in that plea deal they they call it remorse I call it a deal in my case, there was no plea deal because he pled he he pled not guilty and was found found guilty on all charges. Even even in my situation, taking the life of three young men. I mean, Bradley was only 18, and his his friend was 18, and the other young man was only 22. Eight years, like we you know we just. It was tough. It's, it's just a very tough thing to sit through and listen to uh, the defense lawyers and the loopholes that they try to use. There's, there's one stat that I always like to share because I think everybody, it's an eye-opener. Marquita and I, were, we're actually considered the lucky ones because they were even charged. Only 22% of drunk drivers that cause death are even charged. Because of all the loopholes in, in our current legislation, 78%, they don't even get to court. They just can't charge them. 
I don't understand that. Yeah, and, no. and well, Roy, one other thing I mentioned in Sherry's case, the actual time served, you know, he may have gotten a sentence of eight and a half years, but technically he only has to serve 33 months yes. before he comes up for parole. Yeah. Well, one third sentence. I've done the math. It always works out to about four or five months a person. No matter if you get eight years or if you get three years, it's that's kind of how the system, the parole board and the system is. Yeah. It's mind-boggling to, to hear, and I, I know a fair bit about the justice system of this country. It's been the cornerstone issue for me in, in my career in broadcasting is justice system, but I had no idea that 78% yes. of drunk driving uh, is, it, is charged. it... Where someone dies? When someone dies, and, and the reason for that 78 percent are in charge. 78 percent, only 22 percent are even charged, and out of that 22 percent, only 11 percent are convicted. And what it is is our criminal code. The biggest piece of criminal code legislation out there is this this piece, this impaired drivers causing death, and it is full of so many loopholes that defense lawyers use. If the police literally don't follow procedure, you know, one T is not crossed, it, it doesn't even make it to court. Mm-hmm. They're very hard to prove because people don't blow or they say the equipment's faulty or yeah. there's so many, there's so many loopholes. The bolus drinking one that, or I, I call it the two beer drinking defense where they claim they had two beers immediately before the collision. So therefore they weren't drunk when it happened, but they're drunk now. You know, and, and, and they get away with it. They yeah. get, it's a very, very hard you know, uh, crime to prove, believe it or not. Yeah. You know, Sherry and Marquita, I don't know how you live with yourself, with, how you live with yourself oh, it's if hard. you've done this. I, I mean, I don't understand how. Well, and, 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 you know, you hear constantly, you hear constantly of the person who drove drunk and injured severely or killed someone mm-hmm. or multiple victims is a really good person. Mm-hmm. who does a great deal for his or her community and is extremely distressed over what he or she caused. And I don't doubt that they are extremely distressed. Yeah. Some of them, I think, are distressed for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, others, I'm sure, are distressed for the victims and the carnage they caused. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. Like, we, we know and, and we believe in rehabilitation and all that. And, you know, the nicest guy on earth may have done this. But it doesn't send out the message to all the other nice guys or not so nice guys and girls. I can't. I can't say just guys. That there's a real punishment to this crime in order for a deterrence, and and that is where our justice system just has dropped the ball for yeah. so many years. Well, Tell I, us wanted, p- I wanted to share just a couple stats with you, sure. if I may. That alcohol is a contributing factor in 43% of motor vehicle collisions when uh, causing a death and injury. And the most common type of adult court cases in Canada in 2010-2011 involved impaired driving. Yeah, it's o- filling only, our courtrooms up. Yeah, yeah, and only 4% of guilty pleas in 2010-2011 resulted in the sentence to federal custody of two years or more. And the majority, 86% of all custodial sentences were for a term of six months or less. So there's no deterrent. There's no, no deterrent. There's no deterrent. No. And, and it is perceived by by Canadians as a joke. You know, it's not it's it's nothing new. But I think we read about it in the paper. We see it on the news. I I believe people are so complacent with it now. You know, I, I always refer back to 
the two uh, Canadian-born terrorists that shot and killed two police officers in Ottawa a couple of years ago. I mean, it was, that was horrific. But immediately there was law made, and that was two, two killed in 50 years. But yet for a day, you know, here in Canada, we lose people to a preventable crime, and yet the justice system still can't get it out of their head. It's not an accident. Well, been, you, we know waiting. our members of Parliament are too stressed because their work week is too long. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I think I think I want a job in government, so I only have to work four days a week. Well, I think I want a job in government too because I wouldn't be doing any work at all. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good well, job. You know, Roy, we've been fighting for for laws to change for the last. Well, tell four us about that, please. Years. How much success have you had? Who have you talked to? What has happened? Oh, you know, we've talked to absolutely everyone from the Justice Minister of Canada. You know, down to over a hundred thousand citizens who have signed our petition asking for tougher sentencing, and we we had worked with the Conservative government when they were in power, and they did bring forward two proposed bills, um, which just kind of sat there and hadn't nothing has happened. Recently, they were brought back uh, by uh, Mark Orwa and Stephen Blaney. Um, it, it's a private member's bill, so it's very, very difficult to get a private member's bill passed. And, you know, honestly, Marquita, they could have done a lot more than they did when they were in power, and Stephen Blaney yeah. was the public safety minister yeah. for Canada. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. could have he could have shepherded legislation yeah. through Parliament, and they could have easily passed it because they had a strong majority. Yeah. And we've yeah. lost over 4,000 new Canadians in the four and a half years that we've been waiting, waiting for laws to change. I mean, these are laws that we're asking for that are need to be implemented in the interest of public safety for all Canadians and future generations of Canadians. And we need to have either a government bill or something that is going to, um, you know, stop this carnage out on the roads and save innocent people from being killed. We also have to be able to get to people and get them to listen and get them to understand. And do it voluntarily. Listen to you and listen to what you've what you're living with because of people who didn't. I have to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about, uh, I want people to know what you're doing at Families for Justice and how they can get involved and help um, as well. And there's no, do you, do either of you have any doubt that among our, our listeners across Canada, do you have any doubt that there are people listening right now who have either lost someone or have had a family member or themselves no seriously doubt. injured? No, no doubt. No doubt. We've, we've been told it's one in three of us have been affected by a drunk driver in one way or another. What so there you? are also drunk drivers listening. Oh, yes. Yeah, they would be too. I'm going to challenge. I want somebody who who drove drunk. Are you guys okay with my doing this? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay, because only, we only have about 10 minutes when we come back. I want somebody who drove drunk and caused an issue, a problem, to call. Triple eight two two five eight two five five. Tell us how you feel about what you did. Because your message could be significantly important. Triple eight two two five eight two five five. Anybody who has driven drunk and has caused and created problem. Anything from, well, you know what I'm saying. 888-225-8255 is the number. One of you, one of you, call. We'll come right back. It's an issue that's on everyone's mind in this country right now. Impaired driving. 
because of the Mark Camucho case. And uh, with me are Marquita Collius from Surrey, British Columbia, her 22-year-old daughter. Cassandra was killed by Natasha Warren. Um, she accelerated through an intersection on a red light going more than 103 kilometers an hour when Ms. Warren hit the driver's side of Cassandra Collius' vehicle that she was making, wait, waiting to make a left turn. And Warren, as you heard, fled the scene after the crash. What was found afterward. Sherry Arsenault of uh, Leduc, Alberta, lost her 18-year-old son Bradley when he was killed along with two other friends on November 26th. 2011, when uh, Jonathan Pratt drove his truck right through their car, he was doing 199 kilometers per hour. Families for Justice is the name of the organization. I'm, we're going to have a, we only have a couple of minutes. I'm going to ask you about Families for Justice in just a moment. We asked for some callers with experience and, and uh, who can add to this, con- this conversation. Gary is in Edmonton. Gary, go ahead, please. Enjoy your show, Roy. Thank you, sir. Uh, the last 15, 20 years, I represented big oil companies overseeing projects that were being built, and it was contractors that come in and built this And numerous times. And when I say numerous times, uh, more than five or six, people would be charged with impaired driving and hire a lawyer, do whatever. They sometimes, I had about five or six guys I know of that were charged a second time and these guys drove to work every damn day that we worked. And uh, knowing that they were charged, uh, knowing and in some cases they had a second charge, and there was no consequence, Roy. No, none at all. In oil-rich Alberta, it's, it is not a lot of consequence. You know, I, I am uh, sorry, ma'am. I, I approached a couple of these guys. Now, I represented the oil company, not the contractor, and I just got told by the superintendent, hey, buzz off, these are my men, not your men. And there was no consequence. Nobody got fired. Nobody got told, you can't work here because of impaired or charged impaired or a second impaired. And I just find this. And nobody cared. Nobody gives a damn, and it's not just Alberta. It's, I think no. it's all over. That's what we're hearing. Gary, thank you very much for the call. I want to get another caller on. Margaret is in Whitby, Ontario. She's been holding on for a long time. What happened to your husband, Margaret? Uh, well, my husband, uh, his car went off the road in Pembroke, Ontario, uh, and his car went in the Ottawa River, and he drowned and um, left me with three children, seven, nine, and 12, and I really had nothing. I had $92 to my name, you know, but he was impaired and he drove a car and he didn't hit another car. His car just went and rolled into the water. Oh my. And so, but I feel for these people uh, the, that lost their children, you know, it, nothing seems to get done about any of this. And when you, like, I heard the other day that everything that Stephen Harper tried to do uh, the courts turned him down on, so he really wasn't able to get much through at all because the courts went against him. And I think that's really bad. I, I don't know. We just need to do something to stop the killing of innocent children, you know, innocent people yeah. from drunk driving. Margaret, thank you for your call and condolences on 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 your loss. I mean, you yes. lost your husband and you and you had your three children and ninety two dollars in. Yes, in the it. Bank. I didn't. Hear, there was no life insurance, no, no oh, anything. Right. So. I know what it's like, and yeah. um, so 
All the best to you. I don't drink or smoke, and uh, but I feel bad for all these people and, and the people that just lost. Thank you for sharing. Thank thing. you for sharing. It matters. Thank people you. will hear that. People will hear it. Thank you. Thank you. And maybe someone's going to say something to somebody in their home tonight and say, have a listen to that. You can go back on, you just go to RoyGreenShow.com in the podcast. You can listen back to the, to this program, download it as well if, if you choose. We have a minute and a half, Margaret. How can, how can, uh, Margaret, um, Marquita, how can Canadians get involved and engaged with Families for Justice? Well, Roy, they can, we have a Facebook page. Uh, it's called Families for Justice. Uh, at, you can email us at either familiesforjustice at shaw.ca. Um, and we also ask that people write their federal MPs in their area as well to ask for changes to the laws. You know, Roy, we've, we've over the last four years, four and a half years, we have support from the BC Chiefs of Police, the RCMP of L- K Division, which is in Alberta, the Alberta Federation of Police. We also have a letter from Mr. Trudeau um, before he was elected to Prime Minister saying that he would support Bill C-652, Cassandra's Law, and that's to change the Criminal Code of Canada uh, and redefine the offense as vehicular homicide. So I'm I'm hoping that in the future the government will, you know, keep to their word. I mean, as you can hear from listeners today, this has affected so many people, and it is something that we as a society truly need to address and stop this from happening. We cannot, we cannot continue case by case to be horrified no. with what's happening and then be doubly horrified by the lack of response by the justice system and then right. be speaking with you and with Sherry and people like yourself who are trying so hard to improve the, uh, the situation. Yes, for, well, for and I, I, I urge people to, to keep a pressure on our, our current government because... You know, I, I honestly believe our st- arms are stronger together, and we, and we can make change. And that, to me, will be for everybody in Canada. It's nonpartisan. It's it's for every it, this this kind of new stricter legislation would affect everybody in yeah. Canada. And, sorry, and I have to. I'm lives. sorry, only because of the clock, I have to jump in. But you're both incredibly brave and strong. And thank you so much for sharing with us, and uh, you are making, there's no words, you are making a difference. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you talk again. again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Marquita and Sherry Arsenal, and it's Families for Justice. Just go to Facebook and get involved with them.